great day, people. This is another episode of the Uncomfortably Reborn African. How are you guys doing this week? So this week I was going to have a guest on, but I actually went to a class last week that really opened my eyes to something I've been dealing with. So I really want to share. I just want to raise awareness because there might be other single parents or parents that are going through this, but this is my first time openly saying that my son has ADHD. And people who know me, people that I'm close to, um, or people that I interact with on a regular basis, I've told, I've shared this with them. And it's something that um, I've been like fighting, fighting with for probably over a year now. And uh, I took a course, it was a parent support group um, for parents that have children with ADHD. And initially I signed up for the course and they were telling me like, oh, well, you won't be able to take it. But Um, They were able to get me in last minute and listen, it was like the best thing I could have done because I got educated on what it is, all things ADHD and parenting a child with it. And it just was an eye opener because it relieved a lot of stress and a lot of misconceptions that I have and people poured into me, which didn't really necessarily help me in this journey of figuring out how to manage and figure out what to do with my son. So I just wanted to just, you know, share a podcast and do a podcast where I can raise awareness. And again, there might be someone else dealing with it. Um, Right now, the talk about mental health, the talk about um, taking care of yourself is so, so important now. I love that there's a conversation about it. And I just want to share my piece about, you know, parenting a child with special needs and also just, you know, just share my experience so far. And of course, we're going to dive into some hot topics. There are always hot topics to talk about every week. And yeah, just also my experience so far, as you guys know, 100 Days of ET, just of course, nuggetry. What what is the biggest nugget that I have learned this past week? So stay tuned. What's up, family? It is the month of November, and not only are we going to get those beans, greens, tomatoes, potatoes, chicken, turkey, chicken, you name it, it's Thanksgiving, but it is the month of Cyber Monday and Black Friday. Everyone is searching and trying to find out what deals are going to be out there to prep for Christmas gifts. But not only that, a lot of people think are thinking about their 2019 goals if they're trying to lose weight. If they want to gain more energy, if they want to start that business. So that's where I come in. If you need support for weight loss, weight gain, skincare, energy, or if you're just trying to get your health on track, so you want to like clean up your diet a little bit, I am your girl. I am giving a special discount code to anyone interested in purchasing for themselves or for a family member as a gift, a meal plan some dope products to help them kickstart their new year. So if you're interested in getting that code, shoot me an email at journeyfitnesslove at gmail.com or send me a message on IG at salongal83. Again, that's journeyfitnesslove, J-O-U-R-N-E-Y, fitness, F-I-T-N-E-S-S, love, L-O-V-E at gmail.com or IG at salon, S-A-L-O-N-E, G-Y-A-L, gal and the number is 83. Hit me up, kick off your new year with something great. (music) 
So let me give the background story of the whole ADHD process um, and when I noticed the difference. So um, about two bases ago, my son had um, his childcare was um, with a, a home daycare. Um, so it was a lot more intimate. I didn't have any issues. I loved it. He loved it. But when we transitioned to my new, next base after that, that's when, you know, I started noticing that he was having issues at school. And what was happening basically is, you know, the first week of school, he was in um, preschool at that point. So the first week of school, you know, they're expecting kids to kind of be like a little wild and just adjusting. But the thing is, is like my son was cons- consistently having issues and um, it was leading to phone calls. Um, I, well, I had initially told the teacher, like, listen, if you have any issues with him, you can always text me, FaceTime me. I'm here. You know, I'm available. Uh, which they appreciated because the shocking thing is um, like later on down the line, she was like, honestly, a lot of parents kind of like they're just not interested in being that inv- involved, which was kind of surprising to me because I feel like if your your child is having issues, you know, you show up. But anyway, so I started turning into I was getting maybe calls a couple times a, a week and then it evolved to literally like every day I was FaceTiming and talking to my son. He was having these meltdowns and these breakdowns where he's crying. I'll talk to him. He'll calm down. And by the time he's off the phone, he's back at it, crawling on the floor. He's just having this whole meltdown. And it's just like, what is going on? And he was also going to like before. So the way it worked at that last space is he will go to um, daycare in the morning They'll pick him up from the daycare, take him to pre-K until about, you know, maybe from like eight to two. Then they'll take him back to the daycare and then I will pick him up after that. So he wasn't having any issues there. Um, And he seemed he seemed to like mesh with a couple of the teachers. And I knew like from, uh, you know, when he's been in daycare, like there's always an adjustment period, I call it, where he kind of tests people like the first couple of days he's good, but then he's like testing people. And, you know, he's had little moments where, you know, they've been like, okay, your son has been like this and he's been like that. But then maybe like a two weeks in, three weeks in, he's like leveled out. He knows like, okay, I'm not going to do this and that. So, um, it became something that was just happening all the time. And then it kind of delved into his, uh, it, it actually fell into what was going on at the daycare. They started calling me in the mornings and in the afternoons because he wasn't transitioning well. Um, and one of the common things they were seeing, um, even with the preschool is when he got off the bus, he would just run off, which of course is a safety hazard because they have kids. There's someone that's supposed to escort them to the class and he would just run off and just run off and, If he was walking in line and transitioning from one class or from one place to another, he would run off and then he would have these meltdowns and then he was like hitting and he was spitting and it was just like something every day. And I got so much anxiety over it because, you know, I had to have the phone next to me because it was literally so frequent. And then when it started to spill into his daycare, it was kind of like, you know, initially, of course, you have those thoughts that he's being targeted. But I saw the videos. I was showing up. I was going to his school, spending time with him to kind of watch him because initially they were like, well, what does he do at home? Is this something you're doing at home? And I'm like, nah, bruh. If I tell him to do something at home, he does it. It's just me, uh, me, him and his sister. So I don't really 
know what to tell you guys. And initially they were like, okay, lady, you know, something ain't right. But over time they noticed because I would show up at the daycare after school and his, his attitude would completely change. I would literally walk in and he's having a meltdown. And as soon as he, as soon as he sees me, he snaps right out of it. So they, they kind of figure like, okay, there's something, there's something different here. Like clearly it's not you. And I was like, well, I told y'all it wasn't me. I'm telling you like when we're at home, we're good. Um, but again, it became so frequent that, you know, it started affecting like how often I was at my job and thank God I had like an amazing supervisor and amazing leadership. So because I told them what was going on and they understood. And, but for me, the base I was at there prior, the base I was at prior to that, they were really strict and really like not pro family at all. So I still had anxiety about that. So initially when it started, I was just like, oh my gosh, what's my job going to say? Because I'm being called so much. Um, and they supported me. It even came to the point where he had to go to school half days and we had this whole plan, this chart, stickers. We did so many different things to try to help to see if that will for him to kind of know, okay, what's good behavior, bad behavior, what if you get five green stickers, you'll get this. But it just consistently happened. Like things still happen regardless of what he might be good for a couple of days with this new system. And then he'll go back to the meltdown. I even implemented things at home, a sticker chart and me being a single parent. And also with my daughter, she's quick to notice like, why are you doing that with my brother? And you're not doing that with me. So I had to do it with her too. So we did it like a family thing. Like, okay guys, it's time to go brush your teeth. So I literally had a chart at home and had pictures of brushing your teeth, making your bed, cleaning up, and they would get stickers for it. And then once they collected a certain amount of stickers, you get a prize. So I just wanted to have like that whole like cohesion within every area that he went to, but it just did not stick. And I fought it for so, so long. I fought it, fought it, fought it. But it got to the point where they're like, all right, well, you know, this has to, something has to happen because the base I was at didn't have resources. The school I was at didn't have resources because it's in like a remote area. Um, and the closest uh, like specialty doctor was all was like two, three hours away. Anytime we had specialty appointments, we had to drive three, you know, two to three hours away. And so that one wasn't going to work either because, you know, I have a job. He, You know, it's just so many factors with that. So, you know, over time, you know, after I did my part, I saw the videos and I actually like, you know, lived it for probably almost a year of like fighting it all the way up to close, like to when he almost got out of school it was like okay this I have to look into what else it is you know I have to look into you know maybe more of um you know an expert to look into this because maybe it's something I'm not doing or something I don't know and I have to educate myself and again I fought it for so long but I had to because I just noticed that it was affecting his world it was not only that it was affecting his world other teachers were or other parents would come into the classroom and be like yo, like homeboys over there having a meltdown and throwing things. I don't feel comfortable leaving my child here. Are you guys good? So it was affecting, you know, that aspect. Not only that, like the other kids were like, you know, they started to notice like, oh, he's different. And, you know, they started to use word like bad. And I had to tell the teachers like, listen, I understand, you know, the kids are going to be kids, but can you educate them and just don't have them look at my child or refer to him as the bad kid or blame him because they would say he they would blame him for stuff and he wouldn't even do it but because his behavior was bad like they even picked up like yo if we do something let's say homeboy did it 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, I had to have a, had a conversation with them to say, okay, like, you know, how can we implement this? You know, because there is a difference in how my son is being treated than the other children. And again, I like, I talked to everyone about it. You know, they had the special education person come in and not necessarily like the special education, like what most people think special ed is, but it was just like people who are specialized in supporting children with these issues. And, you know, and again, I tried it all. I tried it all and going to the doctor and, and going to see a behavioral therapist was like literally the last thing I ended up doing, but it got to the point where I had to go. So what exactly is ADHD? So um, I took a parent support group and within that parent support group, it really, really helped like break down everything that you need to know. Um, Of course, there are like specific parts about it that of course, you know, you might want to read into, but it really helped. So um, I took the parent support group. There were other parents there that had sons and daughters going through the same situation, but it was mainly boys. Because again, um, as they say, ADHD is something that affects boys more than girls. So when I first walked in, they gave me a worksheet. And within that worksheet, they asked me a few questions. The first one's when, you know, when were they diagnosed? So again, in the process of them, the child being diagnosed with ADHD, you have to see a behavioral specialist. And they're going to run, you know, they're going to do their own specialized tests where they ask you a list of questions like my doctor asked me asked me 10 questions and I believe if you know you got eight out of 10 right that child most likely has it and then by the child being there they'll have toys they'll have things there and from them watching them and interacting with them they'll kind of see like okay I see what you know I this child might most likely have it and from there you know you just come up with a plan and as you watch the child and you talk to them and you talk to the behavioral therapist they basically put in your hands to say like okay do you think it's ready for medicine um if it's time for medicine um and I know my doctor specifically said she was just like listen if it gets to the point where he's harming himself or harming others um then maybe it's something that you might want to look into but if he's just you know doing x y and z he might be fine he might just grow out of it so just really pay attention and you let me know when you're ready to get him medication but again you had other parents who did not have the same experience so their experience was a little more traumatic where it was like hey what's what kind of meds do you want um so again, it's important to really get like the right doctor. Um, and again, depending on the resource someone has, you know, if someone tells you that you might be like, listen, I don't need to talk to anyone else. Um, so the next question is, what did the doctor tell you about ADHD? And again, they, they wanted us to answer these questions so they can kind of get a gauge of what's going on. Um, also, do you have a clear understanding of what ADHD is? And what have you told your child about, you know, the, this situation, this them having ADHD, which was something I wrote. I'm remember writing down like, ah, I didn't even think about talking to him about it. He's only five, but maybe I should. And I also have a daughter and I probably need to talk to her as well because she's going to be seeing, like, I decided to, um, um, give my, um, my, I said my husband, Lord, I'm, I'm divorced y'all. I ain't got no husband, <laughs> but I decided to give my son, um, medicine. Um, so she sees him taking it every day, every morning, but, um, 
she doesn't understand what it is, you know. Um, and I'll tell you more like soon about that conversation. But I was like, yeah, maybe I do need to talk to them about it and, and you know, make them have an understanding of why he's taking it and why we go to the doctor every two weeks because they're trying to figure out, make sure he's, you know, he gets the right dosage. He's not turned into a zombie. And that's, again, another misconception that people have that, yo, your child's going to be a zombie. And even his doctor said, listen, if a child ever gets to a point where they're zombie-like, that is not okay. You need to see me immediately. We need to adjust the meds because that is not okay that your child, you know, I heard those stories all the time. Like, oh, well, this child was having an issue. They gave him medicine and he came back and he was never the same. She was like, that is not okay. So we're, that's why I see her every two weeks so we can get the right dose and the right type of medicine to work for him. I get feedback from the parent, from, I'm sorry, from his school. She gets feedback from me. And from there we determine, you know, what level of medicine to give him. So those were the questions. Um, so what ADHD is, it stands for attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder. Your child can have one or both. My son has both. He's both has like the attention deficiency and he also is hyperactive. Um, and again, um, they kind of broke down like the differences. Like one parent talked about like um, their child being kind of like secluded into themselves. But then, you know, most of the parents were like, oh, our children are all over the place. So most of the consensus, it probably was about five of us in the room. And it was only you know, out of the five, um, four of the parents who we were like, yeah, they, they have both. So again, your child can either have one or the other. Um, and of course, you know, if you're ever thinking that your child has it, that's something you definitely want to sit down and go through the process with your doctor to ensure that's what it is, because that might not just, that might not be the case. So when they broke down what ADHD is, they said it's not a behavior issue, but it's um, an issue with self-regulation. So within our brain, in our prefrontal cortex, prefrontal cortex, it triggers self-regulation. So just imagine if you're sitting in a room, right? Right now I'm in my bedroom. The light is on. There might be like flashing lights outside. There might be so many things going on within the room. The lights on, this going on, I'm hearing music. So self-regulation allows you to say someone was in the room talking to me instead of me staring up at the fan or at the flashing lights. Self-regulation, my brain can determine like, yo, I need to just focus on this person talking to me and, and not focus on everything else going on. Where a child with ADHD, there might be 10 things going on and they want to do everything. Thing. They want to do all those 10 things. So they're running from one place to the other. Um, and those are the things like they talked about, the things you might see. It might be like they're inattentive. They're disorganized, impulsive, intrude um, in others. So like in their space, um, can't they can't stay seated. They're impatient. Um, so it's a self-regulation. And I was like, man, that is, that's a nugget. They can't self-regulate. They want to do so many things. So like they, they talked about low demand and high demand areas. So they were like, okay, when they go to their grandparents' house, do you think it's like high demand or low demand? I thought high demand, but they're like, no, it's low demand because at their grandparents, they can run around and if they have 10 things on their brain they want to do, they can do it. Because grandma, grandpa, they love their babies. They're going to let them run around, do whatever they want to do. But high demand areas is where you have to focus, right? So in school, you have to focus. Typically, you know, he said like when you have um, with married couples um, or even if it's a single, a, a single, you know, a single parent, um, normally the mother is the one that comes and kind of like tries to regulate the children. Okay, guys, go do this, go do that. Um, so it's like when there's more demand on the child to focus and do one thing, 
that's when you can see like the ADHD flare up a little bit. That's why you can, you might notice it like at school, you might notice it in a situation where I come home. I'm like, okay guys, like I, you know, will tell my son all the time, go do this, go do this. I have to say it repeatedly because he will literally start something and within a few seconds he's doing something else. So I'll be walking out the door and I'm like, okay, let's put your shoes on. And I'll say it over and over again because I know it'll take multiple, um, me repeating it um, multiple times for him to do it. So again, it's like a low demand and high demand. When a child is at a, a on vacation and they can do whatever they want, it's low demand. But when they have to really focus, that self-regulation, that's not that prefrontal cortex in the brain isn't stimulated to say, okay, I need to focus on one thing. And that's why they talked about the medicine being a stimulant. What that stimulant is doing, it's basically kicking off that like that prefrontal cortex is being fed where that part is like, okay, it's being stimulated. So now that child is like, okay, now I can focus on school. It's, 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 it's kicking up that piece where they can say, okay, now I can focus on one thing instead of me seeing those crayons over there and this boy's over here kicking me like they can really focus. So that's what that stimulant um, medication can do. But on the flip side, um, they also have non-stimulant um, ones as well that could work. Um, so, you know, they give the option like, okay, if you want to try the non-stimulant, you can, but it's still targeting that piece of the brain that triggers the self-regulation so they can say, okay, I can focus on one thing. I can do this one thing. So if I'm telling him, okay, it's time to do homework, he can sit there and do it. So the level of medication, um, that's why they, that's why I see her every two weeks because um, I give her reports, her, her, the parent, I'm sorry, the teacher's give me a report and she uses that to kind of say okay what do you think is this working okay let's try this one let's try Adderall let's try Ritalin let's try this dosage let's try that um and actually the dose he's on is working like it's really like there's been a difference a shift which I'm grateful for where you know I'm getting feedback from the teachers and she's like okay it's it's different now even his after school care because even there like he literally like within a week of me getting to my new base he was already suspended from his from his daycare here. And I fought that for so much, like so many. It's like, I just started working here. You're already booting him. But thank God, again, I talked to my supervisor. She knew what was going on. The reason why I literally, I actually transferred to this new base is because I needed to be at a location that was going to support my child. So I requested an early transfer. I had to apply for the job here and pray to God and thank God I got it because now I'm in an environment where I'm closer to a um, to the therapist. I'm closer to all these, I have all these resources now and a tribe around me. So now my son has more support. I have more support when I need it. Um, so I'm grateful for that. And again, it's really important that you as a parent really like get involved in the process and do what you can. And a lot of people, like I, I heard from the teachers all the time or actually from, um, yeah, from the teachers that some parents wouldn't even tell them if their ch- children was on ADHD meds or if they had these situations or do a plan for them, which to them was surprising. Cause it's like, we need to know, like say your child gets sick or if anything happens, we need to know. And we need to know how we can better support your child. So by not, by you not telling us what's going on with them, how can we support you? 
And, you know, it's really important also for me to have that communication with my supervisor. So if you're in a job that you know is going to stress you, they're not going to give you the, the, the support you need so you can be more present, start looking for something better. Start putting yourself in situations where you can potentially have more options to support your child. It's really, really important. And thank God, like it's really through the grace of God that I've been able to have that support within my office where I'm saying, listen, I have to leave. I have to take my son to his appointment every two weeks. I have this going on. And she was like, it's fine. Like I literally have like anxiety telling my new boss, like, listen, this is what's going on. I know you guys know, um, like when I transferred, I had, that was like the, one of the reasons like I'm in with the military, you have to, if you're asking for like an earlier transfer, you have to have like what they call justification. So I had to explain in there. So I kind of just told her what was going on. She was like, listen, we knew when we hired you that you had this going on. It is okay. So thank God I had that support. So communicate to your, um, friends, communicate to your family, communicate to your tribe, your supervisor, whoever it is that, um, might notice or see that something's going on because you need to communicate it. I need to let my folks know that, okay, if I, if he goes there for the summer, like he needs to take, take his medicine. And also the great thing about the medicine, it's like, it goes in and it, it'll be out of his system by the end of the day. So on the weekends, I typically don't give it to him because it's a low demand situation. Hey, he can, I want him to be like, you know, pill free, don't have to worry about it. But if I'm going to church or if I'm going somewhere where it's going to be high demand, I give it to him to kind of regulate him, especially with church and I'm active in church and he's going to be there for half of the day. I'll give it to him, you know, that day. But typically he doesn't have it when it's just solely me because I know how to manage him and it's low demand. I don't, the weekend is the weekend. Focus on what you need to do on the weekend. So yeah, it's been, it's been good so far. So like support groups, if you find a Facebook page that'll support you, get locked in with that, but get educated on this as much as possible. Get with your doctor and it'll really ease the stress of going through this situation alone. So like I was talking before, um, I was really hesitant to do this and I wanted to like address certain misconceptions that a lot of people have about ADHD and getting, um, you know, like special education involved or going into the specialty aspect of getting your doctor involved when it comes to your child having behavior issues. So one of the first misconceptions that um, held me back was the African-American dynamic. And this probably happens in a lot of like minority communities as well. Um, But there's a thing that we talk about a lot about, you know, there is uh, like black students being targeted or, you know, there's been cases where, you know, some, you know, African-American children have been put into these programs, special needs programs, and they didn't need to be in it. And it was a huge fear of mine because even when I was talking to with some friends or some family, they were like, don't put that boy on, don't put that boy on medication. Don't, you know, they're just saying that what's the ratio, you know, it was like the crazy, like what's the ratio of kids, you know, with African-American kids to other races, what's the ratio of girls with boys? Because the other thing was, oh, well, you know, if there are more girls in the classroom, girls tend to behave a little better um, and boys don't. So 
if you're seeing that dynamic and there's not like an even balance of both, that might be why. So it was all those concerns, but it was just like, nah, man, they always kind of like focus on African-Americans or minority kids. And I wanted to share this one study that they did recently, which kind of doesn't really help <laughs> with that, like that bias. But um, the great thing is, you know, it's, it's, I think it's great that they're doing it because it's being, you know, being noticed um, within, you know, um, children education. So back in um, 2016, the Yale Child Study Center actually did a study on like impartial bias um, because, you know, they, they wanted to verify or kind of see like, is there any like bias from teachers, you know, when it comes to when it comes to like different students. So what they did is they um they had four children. Um so they had these teachers sit down and watch a video and it was four children. Um one black girl, one black boy, one white boy or Caucasian, excuse me, and one Caucasian girl. So within that group, they were told like, okay, I need you to um, pay attention. We want you, the the actual um, blurb said, you know, we are interested in learning about how teachers detect challenge in behavior in classroom. Sometimes this involves seeing behavior before it becomes problematic. The video segments you are about to view are of preschoolers engaging in various activities. Some clips may or may not contain challenging behaviors. Your job is to press the enter key on the external keypad every time you see a behavior that could be a potential problem. So basically they're supposed to like watch this video of children and they were saying like before the the behavior gets out of hand, we need you to watch them and address it as soon as like, you know, they were saying like as soon as it happens. But the interesting thing is like they had um, them connected to um, like a special type of uh, um, setup that they had where they can like track their eyesight. So throughout it, they noticed that not the girls were being looked at, but the boys. And specifically, the African-American boy was the one that was being watched more frequently than the other ones. So 42% of the teachers identified the black boy and just just watching their out, they're getting the information back on, you know, where they paid more of their attention to, it showed that. And unfortunately, just from studies that's happening, and, you know, again, the goal is to... um the goal ultimately with this is to kind of like aid and maybe if they need like diversity training and things of that sort, because again, it's not, not just African-American boys, it's like minority boys specifically. And the interesting, it says boys are three times more likely than girls to be suspended. Um, and they make up only 19% of the preschool enrollment, but but com- um, comprise of 40%, 47% of the preschoolers suspended which is crazy if they only make up 19% of the enrollment, but they're almost 50% being suspended. It's like, okay, why is that? And the interesting part, there was like even a piece where um, they said that, you know, um, if it was like a black teacher teaching a black student, they will be more kind of strict with them. But they did it based off of the fact like, listen, it's going to be hard out there. So I'm giving you this extra love and attention to prepare you for how hard is it, how hard it is out there already for African American children, but vice versa, when they said it was a, a teacher of another race, um, when, once they heard about their, um, cause basically the black teacher, as well as like the white teacher or, um, the teacher from the other ethnicity, they told them like, okay, this is what's going on in their household. This is what's going on. So even though they told 
each um, teacher that was of a different ethnicity what was going on in that child's background. Again, the black the black uh, teacher kind of empathized a little bit more. So their treatment was more of, listen, I'm just trying to prepare you for what's out there. It's out of love. Where the teacher of the other race was like, they watched them even closer. closer. So ultimately their goal is they, they published this, um, this study back in October. And ultimately their goal is of course, to talk about diversity and find ways that this doesn't happen. So studies do say that, you know, African-American boys are kind of like, I won't say targeted, but they're watched a little bit more, a little different. And, um, it's studies like this and it's stuff like this that comes out where people are like, listen, before you do this, make sure you ask these questions, make sure you do this. So it was important for me as a parent to be as much involved as possible so I could catch that. So I would literally go to the school. I would literally sit and watch the videos because the um, child care center actually had cameras. So they would show me footage of what he's doing, of him hopping over kids, of him having a temper tantrum, a meltdown. I've walked in and seen my son being like held down on the floor, not, you know, not on his back, but someone kind of like bear hugging him from the back while he's just having this outburst and it was just like to me that was like probably the most shocking moment when I walked in and he was literally having this meltdown and what he had ended up doing he was like throwing things all over the place and again just imagine being a parent dropping your child off in daycare and seeing this you're probably like what's up with that kid but the difference is is this is my son this is my child and even now I look at that quote-unquote bad child a little differently because It's like, man, what could he be dealing with that's not being addressed, if anything? What if it might be like a deeper issue than what's on the surface? Then us label that child as like the bad kid. But then it's also my responsibility, responsibility as a parent to ensure that I am doing my part to monitor that, to be all up in the business and find out, okay, what do you guys have documented? What is the ratio? And ask those questions and be present to find out. And based off of all the stuff that I saw, they were speaking truth. They were. And then the second misconception I had was they'll be labeled for special ed. So it was like, man, if you end up putting a plan on him, if you if they end up escalating this, he's going to have like this special code on him, which might affect him as he progresses in school. He might not be treated right. But the special, the great thing I found out again in this process is that they have like an IEP plan, which is like an individual education plan. And thank God for one of my supervisors who talked to me about her son and how he was in a bad car accident which really affected him you know he had he had so much trauma from it where he was like wetting the bed because you know it was a traumatic situation so because of that it kind of affected his behavior affected his learning so this IEP plan isn't anything like quote-unquote what people think special ed is it's just something that allows him to get extra study time or extra time to take a test or you know he might his test might be a little different where other kids might be timed, but because he has his plan, he doesn't get it. He doesn't. Um, he doesn't have to be timed. Um, he can go and actually sit somewhere alone where he's not distracted. So this is just something that's special for that child that has whatever issue, and it's not anything that's going to affect that child's future. And again, that's why it's so important to connect with people and reach out and ask these questions because it really gave me a whole other view about. Um, this idea that, oh, well, he's going to be labeled special ed and it's going to affect his future all the way up. And this might affect his college and all these things, all these options that happen, which just freaked me out. So, but that's not a fact. 
There are options out there to support your child regardless of whatever issue they have. And based off of the level of the issue, they'll determine like how far up it's going to go or how detailed this plan is going to be. And then also um, the other thing was like the medication piece. Like, okay, one of the things that one of the parents, um, again, I had went to a like a uh, parent group and a lot of them were saying like, are are these drugs abusable? Um, And again, I've heard stories in the past where college students were, it was years ago, but college students were taking ADHD meds because it kind of causes you to focus. So it was at a point where it was being abused for that case, Um, you know, help them focus and they can like ace their exams. Um, and then because it's like, uh, a drug, it's like meth, as they say, you know, a lot of parents were like, well, is my child going to be like a meth addict? Are they going to be addicted to it? But when they explain what the stimulant is, stimulant is, and basically what they said is that, um, there are a lot of children or a lot of people who have ADHD or have these behavior issues that were never just when they were younger. So now you have this child that, you know, can't focus. They can't, you know, do their part to kind of like um, get stabilized so they can focus and have good relate because it affects their relationships. Like my son could not have a lot of kids didn't want to be friends with him because he would just snap. It was kind of like, okay, we all know about this boy. He might flip out, but you know, he didn't have any friends. So just imagine you carrying all those issues into adulthood. They were saying like a lot of times people who don't this issue that isn't addressed early just like any other trauma or any other issue someone has they might self-medicate and that might be where they end up getting addicted to drugs and things of that sort but there's nothing that shows that when a child has a need and say they are on medication and you choose to go that route that they will become a, um, a drug addict or they'll be addicted to it they haven't seen anything like that again it's more of the the issues or the situation where it's not addressed so it's continued behavior and now people are self-medicated with alcohol or with the drugs or just inappropriate behavior or whatever because they're having this issue and then finally um a lot of parents talked about and thank god my experience wasn't like that when i when it did escalate and I finally saw the behavioral specialist, they were like, listen, I know you're already thinking that he has to be on medication. That is not a fact. And you heard a couple parents that went to their doctor and they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, they watched him for like a few minutes and were like, okay, what level of medication do you want? And they were like, they were like, we were petrified. Like, what, 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 you, you're not even telling me or educating me on what is going on. And you're already saying, oh, what medicine should I put them on? They were like, that just freaked them out a lot. Um, and again, that's what I was getting. It was like, don't give him medicine. Don't give him medicine because this is what it's going to do and things like that. And courses like this that I sat through educated me on this whole ADHD, this attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder so much that it's like, oh, I understand. So the whole piece about the minority piece, the whole piece about um, the special ed, if they're abusable um, and if, you know, you give the meds, like you have to do that. That's not the case. And again, it's, it's really ultimately, you know, up to the parent to really like get into the weeds and ask the questions and make the adjustments and find the right doctors. And, you know, thank God that I have access to that because I know there are a lot of parents who don't, but I even think there's like government assistance that tied to kids that have these special needs, but finding the right people that aren't just going to shove or put drugs in front of your face, but really get into the weeds, find out what's going on with your child, get involved with the parent group and 
those misconceptions that you have and other people have, you can truly educate them on that piece. So the biggest thing that I want to talk about in this process is like the steps for support. So outside your family, because again, some family members and friends may not understand, but you just kind of have to look into it and go through this journey like the best way that makes sense for you and your family and your child. Um, because one of the biggest things that I had to get, a, I, ha- I took away from it, like it's not about me. It's not about, you know, me missing work and how I look at work. It's about my son. It's about making sure that he has the care that he needs and the support he needs. And, and I get the education I need so I can support him. Uh, because I find myself getting so frustrated because again, it just looked like he was that bad kid. And I'm like, why can't you behave? But no, he literally has something going on with him that he can't express like that. Like I can talk freely. He doesn't have like those words. One of the, I'm one of the teachers, I'm sorry, one of the parents were saying like, you know, one, their son, um, expressed what he was feeling in his brain. Like my brain feels crunchy. Um, and that was his way of just kind of saying like, I'm all, my mind is all over the place. Um, so these children, five, I mean, again, their age range for five, six and nine, um, they're, they're dealing with these issues and they don't really know how to express it. Maybe the nine year olds more than the five and six year olds. Um, but yeah, they're, they're feeling like different. And so again, it's really important for you to do what's best for that child first and get out your own way and just educate yourself on how you can support them. So it starts off with the school and the daycare. Um, The school that they're going to, ask about an IEP plan, ask them what things are available to support your child while they're there. When I did my IEP meeting, the principal, assistant principal, his teacher, and the daycare, um, the, I'm sorry, the after-school care were there. I keep on saying daycare. But if again, if you're in a situation where your child isn't like um, before school care and then after school care, have that conversation, see what they offer. Because um, that's the biggest thing. Like Because his after-school care was attached to the school, they have to accommodate him. But if they were their own separate entity, I would have to ask, like, okay, or do you guys support a child that has ADHD? Um, some of them might say no, or they might say, well, as long as he's medication and he's cool, I'm fine. So you have to find out and make sure that your school and your daycare are going to support you and accommodate your child. One of the parents talked about, um, they put Velcro underneath her son's, um, his table at school and he would like rub on that. And the thing is, again, it's kind of like making their minds focused on one thing instead of like, okay, they have so many things they could touch in this classroom. The Velcro kind of helped him like stay focused and stay in like one spot. And, you know, they're, you know, they talked a lot about like sometimes textures and what kids feel, um, might kind of keep them like in one spot. So like the schools actually get funding for this. They can order a special desk. They can order these special little gadgets to see what works for that child to support them through that piece. Even if, okay, they know that like every 10 minutes a day, we have to like allow him to color. They'll do things like that. But it all starts with the conversation and finding out what they, what they will accommodate. And if they don't find somewhere that will, because again, it's going to make it harder on you. It's going to make it harder on that child where you just stick them anywhere just because and they're calling you or he's having issues adjusting because it's not a right fit. 
The next thing is like when it comes to other activities, again, I'm really um, active in church. Also, my children um, go to swim lessons and I had to communicate it with them too. Like, listen, he has this. So, you know, if you notice like he's all over the place, this is why. Um, So they know. And not only that, he's on medication. So if something happens, they need to know in case, you know, we have to call 911 or I'm not there. So I talked to them, you know, I found out as well, how can they accommodate him? The great thing about my church, they actually like... um, when he had issues in the past before, like they actually have a room that's like catered to like, it's like more one-on-one. So in the church setting, uh, and our church is pretty dope with their school, um, children's program, they have different rooms for age groups, um, but they actually have a room that's like more intimate because, you know, it might be like 12, 10 kids in one room, which again, it's a high demand. There's so many things going on. So this kind of like triggers them where in those rooms, it's more intimate. It might be like three, four kids there. So they have more access. They have more of that one-on-one time. Um, Cause that was the other thing they talked about with the low, low demand. Like when it's just maybe you and that child, it might be fine because they're getting all your attention, all your focus. But when they're in a room full of other kids, um, there's so many other things going on. You might see them like kind of act out because it's so much going on. So they're, again, that part of the brain is just like it can't self-regulate because it's a million things going on. Um, So find out how they accommodate them, if that's something they can support. And again, if they won't, because one of the teachers did say they got kicked out of a church because um, he was having issues. So, I, you know, I, you know, they asked, like, what's your opinion? I'm like, well, listen, you got to find a church that works for you. One of the parents actually, you know, she's um, she's a Catholic. And she said that one of because of the situation that happened with the Catholic churches, they're really mindful about touching. And she noticed her son, like he's like in your face and he's really touchy feely, nothing inappropriate. He's just in the face. And because they're so like um, because of everything's going on, they're really hesitant about that. So they get a lot of reports like, listen, your son's kind of like, you know, um, because again, remember ADHD, like some children, they don't like know, they kind of invade people's spaces. So they've talked to them like, okay, he's kind of in there. And she's like, I don't know how to navigate this. Because again, they're being, being really, really wary about, you know, their touches and how they're interacting with the children. And so, you know, we were like, listen, if you have to find another church that fits your needs or accommodate your needs, that's just what it is. Again, this is all about supporting that child and making it easier for you as well. As well as if they're in sports, let them know as well to see if that's going to, if it's going to work for them. And then finally, when it comes to your career, your job, um, it was important for me to talk to my supervisor about my appointments. Um, so choose your job wisely. I mean, that's, that's a hard thing to say because a lot of people have to do what they have to do to pay the bills. But again, like you want to create a life that's going to be, or a situation that's going to help you and your child. And just imagine being at like, because if your child has ADHD, you're going to get the phone calls. You're going to have to go to the appointments. Like you, it, that's just what it is. Or you can just ignore it. And again, you know, hopefully it doesn't spin out of control, but it's going to happen anyway. So it's just better to try to find something that's going to accommodate your, again, the, the key word is accommodate your needs and your, your child's needs mainly. So talk to your supervisor, let them know this is what's going on. I have to go to these appointments. I'm going through this. So you have communicated that. And even if you have to escalate it to HR or to corporate, do that. Because this, again, this is something that is a special, like special situation for your child. So they can't discriminate against you. And again, I don't know any of the laws, please. I'm not, I'm not lawyer. I'm not lawyered up (laughs) and I'm not a lawyer. I mean, but, um, 
definitely like reach out to your HR and maybe your HR can educate you and say, okay, well, if you're having issues at work, you can say, well, my child has ADHD. He's been diagnosed. I'm or he, I'm working through seeing if he does or whatever it is, what level you are on in the process and find out if there are rules to protect you from being discriminated against or, or your boss might, you know, have issues with you going to the appointment. Find out what kind of support you can get from HR so that can be handed down to your supervisor. So just have the conversation, have the conversation because ultimately it's not about you. And from this, the lessons I learned, it's not, it, that's what I learned. It's not about me. It's not about, man, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta, man, I gotta, no, it's not, a, it's about my son. I have to take myself out of it because, you know, again, I'm thinking like, I, if I'm not available at my job and do my part, how am I going to look? And if I look bad, how am I going to be able to feed? Because it, it, it still ties back to them, but it's like, no, screw all that. If my son is getting the support he needs, if I'm there, if I'm present and I'm doing my part, I don't have to worry about him. I'll take care of my job, but my son comes first. Because again, remember, jobs, careers, activities, they'll keep functioning with or without you. But your child is everything. So pour into them, um, be involved, have those conversations, communicate, and get become a part of a support group if you need. Um, if you need any recommendations for any books, um, I have like a ton of resources. Shoot me an email. You can shoot me an email through my, um, my fitness account on Gmail. I'll answer any questions that you have. That's journeyfitnesslove at gmail.com. Or you can um, um, DM me um, at salongal83 in, um, in Instagram. Um, just hit me up. And I'm here to support any parent that might be going through this. Um, again, I don't have all the resources. I have the stuff that I got from the class. But, you know, hopefully I can port- point you in the right direction. Um, because it will be okay. And um, you'll get through it. It's gotten a lot better for me. And it will get a lot better for you and your family. So for the hot topics of the week, um, as we know, like a lot of people went out and voted, um, you know, the turnout was awesome. You know, you saw record numbers. You've seen a record number of women um, being elected into positions, which was just dope to see. I mean, I always get excited, excited, excuse me, and empowered when I see women doing like, uh, like just breaking barriers and doing things. It really like just proves how much you can accomplish. Um, so, so many women got elected. Um, some people are upset by, you know, certain people not being selected for um, certain roles. Um, I know right now, Florida and Georgia, they can potentially go into recounts because, you know, as every vote is being counted, the, you know, there's like a small, small, like gap in between what one person had and the other. Um, so, you know, that's unfolding. Um, and for me, and and I feel like this year for me and, and you know other people probably are like well educated with voting but again like when I you know was talking to I did my last podcast and I was talking you know the podcast I did with Kayla about keto um, we talked about like our first time voting and I had expressed like the first time I voted it was kind of like you're black Obama's black go vote for him okay but no I really need to be informed and educated on who I'm voting for what they're all about and choose make the decision based off of like what speaks to me and that's the biggest thing like I got from this entire like for this year about voting it's like listen everybody has different needs everybody might you know connect to another political party but ultimately go vote 
and go vote for who speaks to you. Who if you have issues within your community, if there's certain things that you want for women's rights, for black people, from white people, for Hispanic minority minorities, immigration, whatever it is, just go out and vote and vote for whoever speaks to. I, I for me, I feel like is vote for who's going to like bring the community together, help support families, give people jobs, you know, just support the country but whatever it is just go vote and I feel like that was a message I got this year amongst everything else I mean again you know the rhetoric and you know there's there's beef on both sides there's issues on both sides but you know I really appreciate all the people that might have voted that didn't vote um you know during the presidential election the people that really like took time to go out there the young people that came out I applaud you young people y'all got out and y'all showed up Y'all showed up, which is like so dope. Like even you see now they're saying like the younger community, they're a lot more aware of what's going on. And, but you see that, like, you know, I, at church recently, they did a sermon about the different generations. And one of the key pieces they talked about is like, you know, they talked about the generation X and the, I forgot the name of like the generation prior to that, but it was like the goal of that older, the elders to, to, to like train up or, or educate the, the millennials that are here right now. Like instead of it just being like, oh, those millennials, like talk to them. You know, he talked about like there was a phase where working hard, what it was like working hard. And then you had the baby boom and then you had, you know, the divorce rate skyrocketed. So it turned into like more, you know, more divorces, less people being in homes. And then you had the social media, the technology, how it just evolved and changed everything. So it's kind of like, no, instead of looking down at the millennials or the younger children, educate them like, there are things that the millennials can teach like the elders and then there are things that the elders can teach the millennials and everybody in between and I love that and I really appreciate that um conversations are happening like ultimately conversations are happening people are um becoming closer people are I don't know I feel like there's just unity coming as much of of the craziness and that's the other hot topic it was like another shooting um that happened in California where you know an ex-marine um shot up shot up a, a, a spot that college kids and people go and hang out and it's just like man you know um just talking about gun gun control and me it's like I want to purchase a gun I'm a pro- I want to be a proud gun owner but there is a pattern that's happening all these shootings that are happening so clearly something has to be addressed and I feel like there again these conversations can evolve where there is a middle ground where everybody it might not be perfect but let's meet in the middle and figure out a way to have a better process or figure out a way to clean this up if possible because ultimately when a gun gets in somebody's hand, it's like it's up to them to choose what they're going to do with it. There's no color behind it. There's no it, it, it might happen, like regardless of how many laws you add to it. Um, and, and by no means am I not saying that laws shouldn't be changed. But, you know, it might happen anyway. But if there is something to like at least like, you know, um, decrease the amount of this happening, because, you know, you heard other stories and other shootings where it was like, well, they shouldn't have had it if this was coded like this, if this was this. So if there are things that we can do and, you know, within the household, if there are things we can do within um, the, those, you know, the gun shops, 
that can possibly like the you know decrease the amount of shootings that are happening or the people that are getting their hands on it like let's do it um because again i i'm big on patterns like i really pay attention to patterns so if you see a pattern of things it's like okay something needs to be addressed especially if it's a negative pattern um and it's affecting the masses i mean it was heartbreaking today hearing from that father who lost his son his firstborn son it was heartbreaking to, to see and you can tell like you can tell with these mass shootings there's no color attached we don't know if they were uh, liberal if they were conservative we don't know anything about this person and it doesn't care about your race it doesn't care about your color like this is affecting everyone and um, so it needs to be addressed something needs to happen where everybody can meet in the middle I just I just hope and pray that with everything going in the world I mean, even we talked about the generational th- things like the elders and the millennials and just everyone can come together and just meet in the middle. It might not be perfect. It might not be great, but let's meet in the middle and let's figure out what we can do to support everyone, regardless of your affiliation and what you believe. So, um, you know, it, my hot topics is it's not hot. I mean, they're hot, but it's like more of like. Let's wake up. Let's come together. Let's unite. Let's love more. Let's um, continue to educate ourselves, be be more aware of what's going on, and truly, truly come together and have conversations across the line if you're a conservative or a liberal, across the line if you're across the line if you're black and white, across the line if you're male and female, and just really like be like, let's talk. What issues do you have or what's your misconceptions about me? And just openly just have a loving and open conversation out of love and out of just trying to educate one another. So, you know, I'm just praying and hoping I pray for those families that lost, you know, lost people. I pray for everyone that's been affected. Um, And I just hope that more and more healing happens over time within your communities, within this world and within the United States of America. Um... So, you know, that that's my piece on the hot topics. And one of the biggest takeaways I've taken this week from the 100 Days with ET, which is, again, is going just dope. I mean, it's going amazing because, again, it's the consistency, it's the nuggets. It's just a shift that I feel within myself. It's the shift that you see on everyone else that's a part of the community. That's so beautiful. Um, we have these accountability calls every morning at 5 in the morning. Initially, it was like, y'all, I'm like, it. well, it's East Coast time, so it's 6 a.m., East coast but still that's early that's five in the morning for me but by getting up at 5 a.m i'm noticing i can get more done i've been able to get more reading i can read my bible i can read some of my um my book there's just so much more i can get done and my body is so used to it now that it's like okay i have more time to do more I'm loving this creative space I am. I'm creating, not really necessarily worried about what other people say because that was one of the biggest things. It was like, oh, what do they think? How are they going to feel? But I'm creating and I'm loving it and I'm doing it for me and I'm blessed that God has given me the wisdom and I've been able to like have all these ideas pop in my head that I'm really, really proud about and just putting it out there just out of love and out of just wanting to create and just put something out there that I think is like beautiful and everyone has opinions on it, but for me, I love it. And um, today I got a message. I was listening to a message by uh, Pastor Mike Todd and he was talking about value. So in the Bible, there was a story um, of Jacob. Jacob wanted to marry Rebecca and Rebecca was like, she was just like the bomb. Um, so, you know, she, he, you know, he, t- he talked to Rebecca's father and was like, listen, bruh, I'll work for X amount of years so I can marry that fine thing. And I love how uh, Mike Todd, like, breaks down his stories because they're very like 
he be like, he just, the way he does it is really, really cool. I love it. Um, so, you know, uh, Jacob works, he works for the X amount of years and it's time to like, okay, I've done my piece. I'm ready to get my bae. Like Rebecca is mine. Well, the father flips the script and he brings her, um, brings Jacob, his other daughter, and like basically last so he Jacob wakes up the next day like yo this ain't Rebecca so the father like kind of bargains with him and he works some more and then he finally gets Rebecca but then unfortunately because the father manipulated the situation he Jacob ends up with two wives but there's one that he loves more than the other and this is where it gets really interesting so God you know the Bible talks about how God saw her pain and um having a son um, you know, it, it was a big deal back in the day because, you know, the goal was to like carry the, the, the family line. So, you know, the sister that, you know, Jacob didn't want, she ended up having four boys. I think she ended up more. I think he said she ended up with like six kids, six boys or six, yeah, six kids. But every, for the first three, um, the first three boys that she had, um, she named them. Like the way she named them, she named them tied to her value because the, the sermon was about value, about you being valued, right? So, which each of the names that she named her first three kids, it always tied back to how Jacob didn't value her. Because think about it, you know, he was forced to marry or, or consummate a marriage with somebody he didn't really love. So Rebecca probably was getting all the attention, all the love while she was just like, you know, just thrown to the wayside so she would she kept on naming her sons tied to like hopefully my son my my husband will love me now I hope my husband is going to love me and it resonated because it's just like how many times that like when you allow people to put a price on you you allow people to say what 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 you're worth then you or you tie what you go what's going on in your life and even if God's blessing you you still tie it back to that person or that thing or whoever you're looking for to get um I guess whoever you're looking to like give you that price tag you'd keep tying it to that person instead of you creating and knowing that the value that you have within yourself so whoever out there like you might be undervalued but you have to realize that God sees you so much more higher than what you are presenting yourself to be. Stop allowing others to put a value on you because because it's like you're you're extremely valuable. I said today, like I, I put a post on uh, Facebook and on Twitter, like um, it's like going to a negotiation table and saying like, they're like, OK, what you want me to pay you? You're like, whatever you can give me. But you're giving them bomb products. You're, it might be music. Like you're putting out like some dope tracks and you have some like amazing, amazing art you're doing. And you're like, okay, pay me whatever. And they're giving you $20 uh, for your work where you're you're creating a masterpiece. You're, you're giving them like the hottest songs out on the radio or you're giving them like stuff that they can flip and sell for millions of dollars, millions of dollars. But you've only valued, you've, you've allowed them to put a value on um, what you have to offer. So you are valuable, find a way and create ways for you to kind of like fall in love with you. And the great thing about that story is that over time, her fourth child, she named him like now will praise the Lord. She started to like focus on God. She started to focus on, you know, becoming better within herself. So now this whole value that she had tied to her husband potentially loving her, she started to truly look at the blessing that God gave her 
and she valued herself and her situation a lot more. So start valuing yourself. Don't allow other people to put a price tag on you to tell you how much you, you are worth because you're worth something that's like literally priceless. So value yourself, love yourself, appreciate yourself and start working towards becoming a better you for you.